is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another great episode of Dealer News Today. I appreciate you being here. This is episode 18 of season four. I know, craziness. But if you'd like to hear past episodes and seasons, listen, that's no problem at all. Just head over to DealerNewsToday.com. Also, make sure you follow DNT on social media. That's at DealerNewsToday. I am your host, Derek D., and you could brush up on who I am at DerekD.com if you like. But today, we're going to learn about our guest and his very successful dealership down in Florida that has been around for 74 years. You know, his father took it over many years ago, and now he is the majority owner, president, and general manager of Bartow Ford. He was featured in Automotive News as one of the 40 under 40 in 2014, and he's held basically every position in a car dealership since he was 12. I'm talking about none other than Benny Robles. What's going on, man? Good to have you on the show, finally. Yes, sir. Sorry, we've been playing, uh, I guess, Zoom tag, but thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Yeah, no worries at all. I mean, it's it funny. Like first, I think you had to reschedule, and then I had to reschedule, and then you had to reschedule, and then your maybe your marketing director wasn't feeling well. It was a whole thing. But here we are. You're on Dealer News today, and I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. You got it. You got it. So, little history on on you. Where are you originally from? Well, I'm I'm originally from. Uh, I was born in Tampa, Florida. My father was born in Spain and grew up in Cuba and came over. Uh, without his family um, wow. during the Peter Pan project uh, and then linked up with his family later in Tampa as he turned uh, 19 years of age. But I've been born and raised right here in Central Florida my entire life. Oh, there you go. So so basically your family and your dad mainly started everything from the from the ground up, it sounds like, right? No, my 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 father my father started uh, working at Ford Credit. It's kind of an interesting story. And he was actually auditing dealerships that were close to falling out of trust that weren't doing that good. Oh, wow. And uh, Bartow Ford was one of those places. And he ended up becoming really good friends with the owner. Owner kind of turned things around and then offered my father a job as a finance manager a long, long time ago. Uh, my father took it. And then he um, he then worked his way up, found a way to start buying into the store. And then in 2014, I, I bought the store from my father. Oh, wow. But you as well, like from right, right on you, you, you grew up around the dealership, right? You were just, you were. I, the first time they had me clocking in was I was 12 years old and I was cleaning all the parts, uh, all the parts shelves and, and whatnot. I actually found out in hindsight that Porto Ford wasn't really even paying me. My father was, Oh wow. but he wanted me to have some type of uh, appearance of a job, but it's always been, we have very low turnover for a dealership. My average employee has been here seven years Wow, that's uh, good. with 60% being here 10 years or more. So it's always been a fun family atmosphere. So really no one ever had to say, Hey, why don't you start working at the store? I just, that's what I wanted to do during the summers. You know, you definitely have basically you started washing, I guess, cars or washing parts, like you said, and shelves and things. Yep. And you held probably every job on the way up, I would assume. And it's really cool how your dad kind of instilled in you a work ethic, but also, you know, the fact that like the Bartow wasn't paying you, your dad was, and that's, that's really admirable. Yeah, it was, it's been a, it's been a really fun ride. And I, you know, I couldn't, I could not imagine, I was very blessed in the fact that if my, my father was a dentist or, uh, or a lawyer or a surgeon, 
those are things that would not interest me at all. But the the shake and bake and the fly by seat of your pants that the car business can be sometimes sure. and how dynamic it is, is it's very fun and entertaining. So it's just was a, a perfect match. So I was really blessed that it happened to work out that way. Yeah, definitely. And, 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 you know, it's the kind of business where everything's, especially now things are crazy and, you know, dealing with the past couple of years and, but no two days are the same, you know, it keeps you on no. your toes for sure. Um, so you, you went to NADA as well. Yes, I did. Yep. And then you did. When, when did you do that? Before or after you you bought? The, the I did that in October of. I graduated October of two thousand and ten. Oh, okay, so before you took over in uh, two thousand and. Yeah, during that time, I was the uh, used car director while I went to the school. Yeah, she's so you've held like every job, man. <laughs> yes, every job. Like on the way. I definitely up. come up through retail more than the service side, but I've been over on service also. Yeah. Wow. So is it is that. Uh, is Bartow Ford is just one main dealership, or do you have multiple? It's a it's a single point franchise. We're trying to work on that, but you know, it's either uh, it's either you know a slow time and a scary time to buy a, v- a dealership, or it's really busy and you're paying too much. So it's really hard to find that balance. But we're a single point franchise, but we're on thirty acres. I, we're on thirty acres. I have uh, seventy five. Uh, service bays. Wow. I have 75. one of the largest Jeez. body shops in uh, central Florida. Uh, we care, we sell about a $1.7 million in parts every month. So we're, we're a really, really big operation. Yeah, no, it sounds it. I mean, that's, that's huge. You could probably encompass multiple dealerships just within your one dealership. So it kind of, uh, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, cause, cause right now the way it is, so you said you have 30 acres. Normally I bet you, you have so many <laughs> new cars on the lot. What's yeah. yeah what Right now we're a little empty. We look, we're a little bare looking. Well, right you're not, the, you're not the only one. Every single dealership across the country is like that. What's, what's normally your, your, your dealership look like new car wise, you know, give, give me a well, number approximate. And then yeah. what is it now? Normally I have, I used to have about 55 million in a uh, new vehicle inventory. Uh, and now I have roughly 25 million. Wow. It's half. It's yeah. less than and half. a lot of those, truthfully, it's not even really a fair comparison because a lot of those, we have a huge, um, EVT operation where we do a lot of police cars. So a lot of that number is just police cars that we're building. So it's really not even fair to say that we have, you know, 25 million retailable units. Right. Yeah. So how are you guys dealing with, you know, this, the inventory, shortage are you changing up some things here and there because obviously everyone is dealing with that have you figured out you know uh maybe maybe the words say like a workaround or something that's helping you through the inventory and chip shortage well i think you know the workaround is and and something that we always talk about the 20 group meetings that i have is i had truthfully to not be reliant on on the manufacturer true Uh, yeah you know they talk about service absorption a lot of times in in some of the NADA things I go to, they talk about you know used cars and and service absorption. And one of the things, one of the things when I took over, I thought it'd be like a celebratory moment, like you know it's something I've been working towards for a long time. And I remember going out for some drinks somewhere at a restaurant, and I remember truthfully a, a great like deal of pressure being all of a sudden you know we have we have almost three hundred employees, and all yeah. of a sudden I said man. I got 300 families, let's say an average family of four. I got 1,200 people. I'm hoping I don't mess this thing up. <laughs> Jeez. But and, and on top of that, I grew up here. So when things, you know, when 07, 08, when things got slow, you had to make some hard decisions. Now, I wasn't making those decisions yet, but 
I knew that when things got slow, I don't want to have to go to, you know, someone has been here 15 years. I know their kids and say, Hey, we no longer have a position for you. Right. I mean, you're, you know, normally I don't think, you know, the families and the things behind some of the things. Sometimes you're just looking at a financial statement, just pulling, pulling levers. But so I said, I need to make sure that our service absorption is a lot higher to make us a little bit more recession proof. So from 2015 to, to now, our service absorption has gone from like 62% to now we're at 92% this year. Oh, wow. So that, and then you add in our used car operation, where we're averaging about 140 units a month. And that's really the workaround for the chip shortage. Now, it's been a plus that obviously we're making a lot more on the front end uh, because of the shortage. Yeah. But- I'm trying to get to where if we if we were no longer a Ford franchise, we would still be profitable, which obviously I don't ever want that to happen. But I think that's the workaround. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many dealerships across the country are, you know, focusing a lot on the used cars because obviously and they need to get their hands on them as well, which right. is which is tough, too. And it's a weird thing because it's like a good and a bad because dealerships are experiencing you know the highest profit they have in over a decade, but also they have this inventory shortage and this problem where both are going to even out at some point, where the manufacturers, you're going to be able to get a lot more inventory than you're getting now. At some point, that's going to change, obviously, and it's going to go back, maybe not to the way it exactly was, because I don't think you need as many brand new units on the lot as you had in the past, the way things are done now. But then at the same time, you have to, you know, you got to balance it out. So I think you have to know, Money's coming in right now, but it's not going to be as you know, this good for forever. So you have to plan ahead. You have to make sure you know what the plan is a couple of years down the line from now when everything kind of evens out. Right. And I, I've always been more of a, a, I believe good stuff happens when you sell a vehicle, you get a unit in operation, you get an opportunity to make money on accessories, obviously in finance, you get a trade in, you make a customer that if happy, maybe buys their vehicles from you for the rest of their lives refers people. So I've always been more of a volume uh, person than a front end gross. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also been very conscientious. I know I'll be just to a fault, be honest. Um, I also think my salespeople have quit selling a little bit because it's been more of an order taking job. And it's also been a take it, take it if you want it type of pricing job, uh, not as much negotiations involved. Right. But when it swings the other way, I don't want them being order takers. I don't want them saying, take it or leave it. And really, I don't want them to be lazy. So I've already tried to light a fire under the sales force to try to compensate for when that shift happens. And that's a good way to be, I think. I mean, it's kind of too easy right now, right? So you don't want them to get too comfortable. But, you know, the price is what the price is right now. You know, there's little to no incentives uh, probably none. So some dealerships I know of are, are kind of making their own uh, giveaways when you buy a car, their own incentives, uh, whether it be a TV or something. I don't know. Uh, are you doing anything along those lines? No, we don't. We've, you know, my, I mean, truthfully, the, the founder of the store, my father, I, I don't, I, and I actually, even my advertisement is geared towards, um, we just give you the, the best deal and the best treatment. And we have a, we have a big relationship with our customers. I mean, I think 60% of my business is repeat and referral. So that's great. You know, I always kind of, I've even said it on some of the radio commercials or interviews or things like that. If I went to go get a haircut and someone tried to include a toaster with the haircut, 
I would kind of say, well, I, man, I just want a haircut. Like, what's going on with the haircut? Why we got to throw in a toaster? So I think, um, likewise, I try to keep it about the the vehicle being quality, the treatment, the deal. And um, and that seems to thus far kind of speak for itself. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. I just know some dealerships do things like yeah. that. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just not your style. And that's fine, too. I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong, the, the Bartow Ford, what, 74-year-old company? I mean, you guys haven't had it yeah. for 74 years, but been around a long time, so the brand loyalty is there. It is, and we're in a small town. We're, I mean, the population of Bartow is only 20,000 people, but I'm a big believer in, instead of stuff like that, I have uh, I have events here at the store where we go all out. Um, I used to have a winter wonderland where I'd bring in, because we're in Florida, i bring in 76 tons of snow, real snow. <laughs> That's awesome. And have Polar Express. We'd have 4,000 people showing up. This November, I give away, an, uh, legitimately give away an F-150. And I'm having a uh, a country concert on the lot um, with really some top names from Nashville. Oh, that's awesome. So um, I believe. Well, that's kind of know, like incentive like, right there. That's kind yeah, of like, yeah. yeah, that's kind of, and that's, that's giving back. I feel, I believe though that if. No one's going to ever hear my radio commercial and say, man, he's correct. I need to go buy a vehicle right now. But I feel like if people come to an event at our store and they have a, a great time, that will stay top of mind, you know, in that six, eight month period when they do decide to buy a vehicle, we will get a shot at them, if that makes sense. No, it does. It'd be like, hey, remember we went to that event that was at Bartow Ford? Like, that was awesome. It, we'll go check out there, you know, for our next, you know, F-150 or whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great idea, and I think that that kind of stuff is great for the community and great for business. Um, so I just you and I just both mentioned Ford F one hundred and fifty. Is it hard to keep up with the you know the F one hundred and fifty trims and the options because there's you know there's a lot of them? So do you, do you have an issue where people are ordering F one hundred and fifties and then not getting them for a really long time because of the supply chain issue and well, chips? You know, we know that certain certain trims are going to come a lot quicker than others, and we communicate that with. Uh, with the customers. And I really feel like, you know, especially this day and age, customers are just as educated as my salespeople on the different trims. You know, they might sure. spec'd out and built an F-150 at Ford.com, you know, six, seven times before they come into the store. So we know that, you know, like XLTs are going to come quicker than Lariats and, you know, two-wheel drives will come quicker than four-wheel drives and things like that. And we just try to educate them on that. And truthfully, uh, we try to switch if we can every once in a while. We try to switch them to a pre-owned. Hmm. I mean, I just had a guy that wanted a 250 platinum black. He wanted to lift it up, brand new truck. And I was like, that's gonna be a long time coming. And we happen to take in a 2021 black platinum lifted up truck, and that's what he ended up buying. Yeah, why not? Probably didn't have a lot of miles on it. It makes sense. Nope. 17,000 miles. It's it was a lot of money, but it's you know, especially if people have to have it right away. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. People People will pay, you know, if they, if they have the money. Because right now, you know, how are you with sticking to, you know, the MSRP? Because I know some some dealerships, you know, they can make, you, there's a markup because you know what? The demand is high. We we have a markup on certain models, but we also sure. take it on a case-by-case basis. You're going to get a better deal from us if you've bought four or five vehicles from us over the course of your life. Um, we try to take that into consideration because I don't, to make five grand over sticker, I don't want to lose someone that was going to buy five vehicles from you over the next year. To me, it just doesn't make sense. And we try to look at the big picture. So we take it on a case by case basis. Yeah. So, well, that's, I think, smart. It's the long game. 
you know, you want to you want to build a rapport, have a customer for years, not just someone coming in, buy and go. You kind of want them to tell their family, tell their friends and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's smart to play the long game instead of just the the short. I should. Yeah, say. I got to in a small town. I mean, small town still communicates. Yeah, everyone you know, knows everybody. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising still. So I have to keep that reputation in in a small town or I would get burnt quickly. Yeah, well, that's a that's a good way to be. Um, so h- how how is it working in a family environment? I ask this to everyone that's involved in the dealership business on the show about, you know, if they're working with family, how is it? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, is, is your dad retired or? It obviously has its good and bad. Uh, my father comes in, um, he lives in Sarasota, which is like an hour and a half away. He comes in three to four days a week for. Oh, wow. Four so, so still involved. Yeah. Four, four so hours till about one o'clock. Um, it's just, it's been his baby. He likes it. Obviously growing up, we bumped heads before. I would say the, the trickiest thing is it was, I owned a little bit of the store and he owned the majority of the store. And then on January 1st, overnight, it switched and I owned the majority of the store and he owned a small amount of the store. So it was a, you know, he was, he had worked here for 30 something years. Yeah, it, it was a challenge for him not to have final say uh, that first year. It was a challenge for him not to have final say on certain, certain things that he was used to. I'm a little bit more aggressive, whether it be on advertising, whether it be on pay plans. So, you know, uh, he did a great job and there's different ways to skin a cap, but that was very challenging for all of a sudden us to have an argument and say, well, this is what we're doing to now I'm saying, no, this is what we're doing. And that was a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I could see why that would be quite the adjustment for him. You know, for so long, he was the boss and then it switched so he had to uh, navigate that. Uh, what year did the switch happen? The switch entirely happened in 2016. Oh, okay. So it's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can understand why that would be tough, but I'm sure now he's comfortable in his, you know, semi-retirement, I guess you could say. Well, I'll tell you what, what helped was our, and our, our, our numbers and our bottom line was a lot more. So <laughs> it can't really argue. Exactly. If it wasn't, I would have been, it would have been so much more difficult, but. Six months into it, you can't really can't really argue with the bottom line. Right, exactly. N- numbers so, are numbers. It's black so that, and white. Yeah. So that's that's been a blessing. So that was good. Yeah, for sure. H- have you always been a car lover, a car guy, or you know, were you just more in love with selling cars, the business, and you know, making money? It's the business. I feel like growing up in the business, and I know everybody has different takes on it, but I feel like growing up in the business made me less of a car enthusiast as a meaning I see, I see cars as, you know, bags, you know, my used car lot. I see it as each car, a bag of cash sitting on the lot. Yeah. Let's get it uh, out of here. With a, little bit, with a little bit of money leaving every single day. So it, it, to me, it makes it to where someone pulls up in a Ferrari and everybody's like, Oh my gosh, look at that Ferrari and horsepower. You know, I see it was 800 grand and now it's 600 grand and, you know, different things like that. So I I think I know that there's some people that are car enthusiasts that grew up in the business, but I feel like it had the opposite effect on me. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's fine. I just like asking people that because I'm curious, you know, because there is, there's some that are, they love the business side of things and they are big car people. And some people like, Hey, I just fell in love with the business and selling cars and the numbers and all that stuff. And that's fine too. It's just the different, the different styles that there is. Talk to me quickly before we get going about you. You were featured in Automotive News in 2014 as one of the 40 under 40. Uh, 
That's pretty cool. What was that? How'd you get that uh, accolade? Well, that was when I uh, that was when I was the youth car director, and I had done certain things like um, I believe our turn, you know, a year went from you know eight times a year to I think we had it as high as uh, fourteen times a year. We were turning our inventory, oh, wow. and that was a you know a three million dollars in inventory. So that was a really good turn. Um, our profitability was up. Our sales were up. Um, we had uh, we had done more more secondary financing. Um, we partnered with, uh, you know, a company called Credit Acceptance, started, you know, having pools that were coming through and um, closing out and that was paying good. So it was just a combination of a bunch of things. And um, I guess uh, I got nominated and I guess they, they they liked what they heard. So I was, I was one of them. That was a really cool honor. That was yeah. that and going, cause I only, you know, I grew up at, at the dealership. So I only kind of knew what I only knew and I didn't know what I didn't know, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And that combined with going to dealer Academy with NADA was a good eye opener for, Hey, I can really do this. You know, when it, whether it was a lot of the, a lot of the people in my dealer Academy were people that had, let's say went to college and now they're at a store. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, well, even when I was at college, I worked full time at a store. So being with them and being president of that class and kind of seeing how how much I had already learned through experience was a big eye-opening experience to I mean to really tell my father like hey let's I need to go ahead and let's let's get let's either get me a store or we need to figure something out because I can do this. So it was actually really cool those two things happened. Yeah and I think one of the coolest things to happen for you or anyone in that situation is you grew up there, like you were 12 years old working in the dealership. You saw everything. You saw how things worked. You saw the different jobs. So you got a free education on how dealerships run without even paying for it. And then you obviously, when you go to NADA and all that stuff, college, and you're still working there, you know, you have a leg up on everybody. So I remember, I remember they had an exercise where they wanted us conduct a sales meeting with our sales guys Mm -hmm. and go over some stuff with them. And and it was that was I had been doing that since I was you know eighteen years old, and it was such a like a easy concept. Yeah. And I remember doing it in front of the class, and I remember the the class the people in the class that had not yet really worked at a store but had gone to college, they were blown away with the most simple things. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like second nature. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it definitely has shown in the way you run your successful dealership for so many years, you know, bringing in events and concerts and and things like that. These are fun events for the community to do at the dealership, you know, which in turn brings you business as well. It's a win-win. But uh, listen, Benny, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anything else you'd like to add before we get going? No, I mean, I'd say whoever is listening, um, if my favorite thing about the, the car business is it's one of the last frontiers where, you don't need to go to school for six, seven years. You don't need to do anything like that. And you can make professional money oh, yeah. just by being able to be good with people and by having a little hustle to you, which is hard to find nowadays. But it's it's one of the last places where you can make real good money without having to do all that schooling. So anybody's listening and not in the business, but they feel like they have that acumen, they need to get in it and get in it quickly that's right you heard it here folks benny robles says you got to get in and get in quickly it's a hey it's a great industry to be in if you live in the area head on in and say what's up to benny talk to him about you know working there buying a car yeah come see me yeah go see him 
Uh, but Benny, this has been great. Glad we were finally able to get this interview in. Definitely. I right, thank you. You got it, Benny. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, buddy. That was Benny Robles, the president and general manager of Bartow Ford down in Florida. For more info on Benny and his dealership, head over to BartowFord.com. That's B-A-R-T-O-W. Ford.com. But that will do it for this episode of DNT. Make sure you follow us on social media at Dealer News Today. Also, remember to check out DCGGiving.com. If you're a dealership and wants to give back to your community, well, that's the place to start to do it at. Again, that's DCGGiving.com. I'm your host, Derek D. DerekD.com for all my stuff. Appreciate you listening, folks. And until next time, this is Dealer News Today. <laughs>